0: Good morning. Good morning. Glad you're here today. Hope you've had a great weekend so far. Glad we can start a new week together, worshiping God uh, with God's people, like we always do to start the week. Uh, those of you that are visiting, thank you for being here. We always like our visitors to know that we're just trying to be Christians here at Great Oaks. That's why we take the name Church of Christ. We're trying to be followers of Jesus Christ, nothing more, nothing less. We're trying to help each other be followers of Jesus Christ, and we would sure love for you to join us in that goal. So if you are not a Christian, or if you're interested in faith, interested in getting your life back on track um, with God, let us know. We'd love to help you any way we can. Uh, we are sincerely trying to follow the Lord, and we'd love for you to join us in that. So let us know if you have any questions about who we are. A couple of things we're excited about before we jump into our lesson today. We have Focus Weekend Next Weekend. And so this gives me a chance just to explain things. We've been blessed with a lot of new people in our church family and, and visitors, so we're trying to make sure we're explaining things as well as we can. Our focus groups are fellowship groups, and people sign up for these. And we try to organize our focus groups with people who are at similar life ages. And they get together about five weekends a year is where we say, we want our focus groups Anytime this weekend. Plan at your convenience to get together. They share a meal together. Uh, they have a, a short devotional and prayer together. It's just a time of building Christian fellowship. Uh, people who have moved away from Great Oaks have often, uh, a couple of times, have told me that some of their favorite memories of Great Oaks were focus meetings. And so if you're not part of a focus team, we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, in fact, uh, one of our biggest encouragements to anyone that comes to Great Oaks is to try to be part, if you can, of our smaller group opportunities and so let me put those up real quick there may be more there are more that i have not put up here perhaps but if if you're wanting to get connected if you're wanting to meet people who are trying to go in the right direction of faith uh, to encourage your faith i'd encourage you to be part of bible classes sunday morning wednesday night i'd encourage you to be part of peer group get-togethers you're going to hear from kids all the way up to silver saints you're going to hear opportunities Uh, We're going to announce them where people are getting together. The reason we announce them is because we want you to come. That is an open invitation to anybody to come. Hope you can be part of focus groups. Again, that's what I just described, those smaller fellowship groups. And then in August, we're going to start up again men's and women's Bible study groups that meet once a month. Those are multi-generational, women of several different ages, men of several different ages getting together in groups. I highly, highly encourage uh, to get connected to be part of some of these smaller group opportunities. So if you have any questions about those, uh, please let us know that as well. And then one more thing before we pray. Happy Father's Day to all our our dads and granddads and great-granddads. We appreciate all you do. Uh, All the sacrifices, I think we know, uh, any of us in any of those roles, to try to be the the dad or granddad or great-granddad that God wants us to be requires some self-sacrifice, requires some strength. And um, we're we're thankful for you today. Hope you feel celebrated today. We're going to pray for you in just a second. Um, But thank you for all you do. Um, I pray that today is a day of encouraging you in the role God has put you in. Let's pray about that and some other things, and then we'll get started this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the Lord's Day that you've established for your people to come together and worship. God, you're our king, and we praise you for that. We praise you for leading us and creating us and guiding us. God, we're thankful that you've brought together your church, that we can help encourage each other down the path. God, we're thankful that we have a church family here with opportunities to connect with each other. I pray, Lord, you'd help us all to take the steps to connect with each other, with those opportunities in smaller groups and other things, so that none of us are trying to travel through life alone, uh, that we can have you and your people alongside us. God, we are thankful today for dads and, and granddads and great-granddads and uh, all those who have poured their lives into us, who have shown us strength, who have shown us faith, uh, who have shown us care for their families. God, we pray you bless all of us in the work we're trying to do for you in those roles. God, as we study your word together this morning, I pray that we'll gain something from it to help our faith grow stronger. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Since it is Father's Day, we are talking about suffering today. Now, I said My wife last night, she, uh, she was out of town with the, with the group going to Carolina last weekend. So she said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? I said, well, we're going to continue a series on suffering. She said, on Father's Day, you're talking about suffering? I said, that doesn't sound appropriate to you. But, but anyway, what we, uh, so we're not, we're not connecting the holiday with the lesson today. Sometimes we do that, sometimes we don't. What we are doing today is continuing a brief two-week series that we started last Sunday, thinking about suffering. Uh, Something that somebody told me, I told you last week, somebody told me, don't talk about that enough. And so I thought through it and thought, you know, I haven't talked about that in a while. And so let me just, before we go to the outline, if you're keeping the outline with us, let me remind of two foundational things we said last Sunday morning that need to stay in our minds as we continue the study today. First of all, we will, I've tried to capitalize all the letters in that, we will face suffering in our broken world. If you have unreasonable expectations about life, uh, we're going to be tempted to think, it's not going to happen to me. And if it happened to someone else, it's because they didn't do something right or something was... We we can make all sorts of excuses in our minds. We will face suffering. Uh, As one writer put it, it said, The loss of loved ones, debilitating and fatal illnesses, personal betrayals, financial reversals, and moral failures... All these will eventually come upon you if you live a normal lifespan. No one is immune. Someone texted me this week and said the verse that helps remind them of that is James chapter 1, verse 2. That was part of what David read just a second ago. Where it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And what they were pointing out is that verse does not say if you encounter various trials. It says when you encounter various trials we will face suffering. And if you look at someone else's life and think, well, how come they're just getting it easy? There's something you don't know about them, either past, present, or future. There's something about their life you don't know from the outside because we all face struggles. Second thing we said last week, and this is where we went with the two weeks of the series. Scripture gives gives us when it talks about suffering, there's a whole lot that the Bible says about suffering. But we try to look at it from a heart perspective and from a head perspective. So if you were with us last Sunday, we walked through some answers the Bible has for the heart. And what we said then was when you're really going through something, when you feel like you're in the midst of one of those difficult periods of life, that's what you need. You don't need someone to come up and explain to you from a logical perspective, well, here's why they're suffering, and here's why it makes sense, and here's why that's not helpful in the moment. And so if that's you this morning, if you're going through it, I'd encourage you, if you weren't able to be with us last Sunday morning, uh, listen to that lesson or go back and check out that lesson on our website because we need those, those things, things that remind us God is with us. God loves us. He gives us strength. He, he has a home for us. We need those answers for the heart when we're going through it. But it is also helpful to have answers for the head because that lays a foundation for us. It lays a foundation so that when those things happen, we're not just totally caught off guard. As if it's something strange, that this shouldn't be happening, the world's messed up. Where is God real? All those sorts of things. Sometimes people get thrown off their faith because they haven't thought through the foundation. And so what we're going to do this morning, as best we can, is to think through some of those foundational things, some answers for the head. Because I think it's helpful to me, hopefully helpful to you, to think about both for the heart and the head. So let's think about some answers for the head this morning. People often talk about the problem of suffering. And what they mean logically when they're debating this by the problem of suffering, they mean some people have said through the years, if there's suffering, how does that fit with a God? This apparently is Epicurus from 300 BC. I suppose that's what he looked like. I didn't make the statue, but I guess that's what he looked like. And he's the first that that we know of to have put things logically together in a way that sometimes you'll hear people say. And here's what he said, with the world of suffering... You're looking around a world of suffering, how can God be both all-powerful and all-good? So do you hear, what, you hear what the argument is there? If, if there is a God who is all-powerful and all-good, how is there suffering? Because, he and others would say, if He is powerful enough to stop it, and He's good, then He should. Then He should stop it. Uh, if He's, if he's all-good, Um, But he doesn't stop it. Maybe he's not all-powerful. I mean, look at all the terrible things that happen in the world. Maybe he's not all-powerful. And so people say uh, from the outside, how can God be both all-powerful and all-good? Now, before I give Christianity's answer to that question, I want to point out, let's say you remove God from the equation. That doesn't help the problem of suffering. In fact, it makes it worse. If, if there, let's, let's play the game for a minute. If there is no God, and we're just in this world with all this struggle, this is all empty and meaningless and going nowhere. We're just here to suffer. We're just here to suffer, and it's pointless. And, and what are we even doing? There, there is this meaningless, hopeless perspective if we chase that rabbit of secularism. Trying to push God out of it, that doesn't help you at all. In fact, it gets you to a much more hopeless place. So let's think through... What, what God's people have always, we've always recognized there's a, that there's suffering in the world and yet we still believe in an all-powerful, all-good God. Why is that? Well, I think the assumption behind Epicurus and others, the assumption is nothing good can come from difficulty. That's the assumption. I don't think that's true. We brought up in our Bible class this morning, Romans eight twenty eight one of God's people's favorite promises in all the Bible where it says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And there's all sorts of great details to notice in that verse. It doesn't say God causes all things. I think we said that last Sunday. If someone sins against you, God's not causing them to sin against you. They have choice and they've acted on it. God hasn't caused that. But He can cause that and everything else. He can pull them together for good. He can use the bad things, the good things, and bring them together for good. But notice also the promise is to people who are going in the right direction. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And so the good in Romans 8.28, what He means by good is not God causes all things to work together so you can have the most money you could possibly have in life. So you could have the most fame and popularity that you could possibly have in life. The good in this passage is the purpose of God. The good is for me to be able to look back from eternity, when we're all going to be somewhere forever, and say, what did I need to get me to the right place in eternity? What helped me become more like Jesus? What helped me get sin out of my life? What helped me be forgiven? That's what's actually good. What's good is not just money, money's not sinful in itself. What's good is not just attention, attention's not sinful in itself. What's good is what brings me to God. And so when people say, God can't be all powerful and all good with suffering, what they're missing is sometimes some good things can come from suffering. What's the purpose of the world? Why, why are we here? If it's not just the secular, we're here to suffer, and then it's all empty and just disappear forever, the hopeless vision. If it's not that, what are we doing? I think God's goal for us is to build our souls. That's why we're here. Sometimes people describe the whole story of the Bible in, in four... You'll hear this differently, but, but I'll do it this morning with four words. You have creation, you have fall, you have redemption, you have restoration. Creation. God made us and gave us real choice, real honest choice to follow Him or not. Now, if God is all good, if I choose to not follow Him, that's going to lead to bad things, isn't it? I mean, it's never godly things that lead to relationships broken. It's never godly things that lead to the hurt we see in the world. It is sin and the curses and results of sin. So creation... We are made for relationship with God. Fall, we chose sin. That has brought evil into our world. Redemption, God is trying to bring His people back to Him. He's done that most clearly through Jesus Christ on the cross. And then restoration, at the end of time, God's going to make it all right. All the pain, all the suffering, all those who have stood with God, He's, we're going to have that what it's supposed to be from the beginning, that perfect place. So the goal is not get all the money you can. Uh, live life to the fullest our culture's highest value it feels like sometimes. Uh, The goal is soul building and good things. When soul building is the goal, when I'm thinking eternally and not just temporarily, there's some good things that can come from suffering. So when you think about the big picture, why is there suffering? I think it's the it, it's the purpose of the world is a full choice whether to follow God or not. And when we don't follow God, it's going to bring about the broken world we have. But God hasn't given up on us. He's trying to bring us back to Him through Jesus Christ to have that place where all this will be gone. Good things can come from suffering. So here's what I want to do with the rest of our time. I've got a brainstorm. You might can see it there on the, on the outline. What, what good things are we talking about? <laughs> Like, what, what can actually come? And again, if you're in the middle of it this morning, I understand if you're thinking, I, this isn't helpful right this second. I understand that. I, I've, I've sure had some times in my life where I didn't want to hear the brainstorm on what good things can come from my struggles. So if that's you, I apologize. Feel free to pray for, with yourself, read, read on your own. But I hope this will be helpful in laying a foundation, to, to trying to look at it from the outside. Because I think we need the foundation before we go through it. Uh, to recognize there are some big-picture good reasons for all this. So let's brainstorm. What good can come from going through times of struggle? Number one, spiritually, we learn that we're not in control. And we need that because we like to try to be in as much control as we can. We like to try to, to, to do everything we can so that we'll have control over things. And when we get real bothered, if we're not in control over things... In Daniel chapter 4, there's a king named Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon, the most powerful nation in the whole earth. And and he goes out in verse 30, it says, "...the king reflected and said, "'Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence "'by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty?' Look Look what I have done. I am great. It, it is me, me, me. You see I and my all over that verse. What happens to Nebuchadnezzar is what God had warned him was going to happen in a dream. Nebuchadnezzar goes insane for seven years. And, and he's out living with the animals. And, and finally there's this uh, maybe subconscious thing that happens. Nebuchadnezzar, after seven years, he looks up and realizes God is the king of his world. And it's not me. And God restores him to all his place, and he, he issues this proclamation about the greatness of God. Now, now, what was good for Nebuchadnezzar was not just to keep going down this path of thinking he's in control of the world. That, that's a path to losing your soul. That's a path to hurting other people's faith as well. What he needed was a time of suffering to get his mind right. Sometimes I need to be reminded I'm not in control of things, and it helps us look up. It helps us look up to God. God, we need your help. There there are things bigger than us that that I can't handle, and I need you. Um, That's good for us spiritually and eternally. Number two, we learn that choices have consequences. If sin is really bad, and and the Bible says it is, and I believe it is, it's going to bring bad things. Now, God could just hide us from all those consequences. Sometimes we get mad at Him because He doesn't. God, why didn't you stop? I know I said the wrong thing and I know I did, but why didn't you stop that from happening? Why did you, you let them make that decision? Why did you let me make that decision? Um, we, we don't want the consequences. We want choice. But we don't want the consequences. Sometimes we need to learn there really are consequences for choices. In fact, that's one thing that it's Father's Day, that fathers and mothers and grandparents. One thing we try to teach to our young people is that what you choose really does have a consequence. That's part of our role is to try to, to pass that knowledge along. Because you do make choices in life and they really do affect you. And, and some of them, you're really they affect the rest of your life. Um, and if I understand the Bible right, we're going to stand before God at the end of time. And our choices will have real consequences. Have I given my life to God or not? None of us are going to be perfect, so the choice is going to be, have I I let Jesus wash my sins away or not? Have I tried to stay faithful to Him along the path so He can keep washing my sins away? It would be cruel for us to to stand before God and having never had a world that even taught us, hey, your choices really do have consequences. And so we need to learn, as Revelation 20-12 says it, we're all going to stand before God. And we're going to be judged from the things written in the books. The, the books, I don't know if those are literal books or just the knowledge of God, but, but the books that have recorded what we've done. Sometimes we learn in life, man, I, I shouldn't have done that. And it hurts, and the consequences hurt. Hopefully that can build in us a better spiritual perspective, realizing that choices really do have consequences. Number three, what good can come from suffering? We're drawn closer to God. The sad truth is a lot of us will just coast along, and maybe not even worry about God as long as we think things are going okay. Um, i've sure had times in my life where things felt like, "Hey, the world likes me. <laughs> this world isn't so bad like what are they what 's that preacher talking about like the world the world's pretty good, the world's on my team. Uh, you eventually realize that's not that's not true. <laughs> you eventually realize that the sinful world is not as great as it promises, and it will always disappoint you in the end um, but we need those speed bumps that say, wait a second, this world, this world hurts a little bit. And, and it helps us draw closer to the one who really does care about us. When the world lets us down, we're reminded there's someone who did make us and does love us and is on our side in every way. As James 4.8 says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Paul said it this way in Acts 17. He's not far from any one of us. He's not far. So so God has set up this world hoping we'll seek Him. And He's he's waiting. He's ready. Sometimes it takes those difficult times to draw near to God. And again, if you are going through it this morning, that's my biggest encouragement to you. Draw near to God. Make this a time of of speaking to God more than you ever have before. Don't, Don't run from Him. That's the temptation you have in tough times to distance yourself from God and His church. Don't do that. Get even closer. You'll find a strength there. You'll find a God who loves you. And we need those times to remind us to draw close to God. Number four, in times of suffering, we loosen our grip on the world. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon meaning like money, stuff, all the worldly stuff. You can't serve both. But but sometimes we want to grab hold of both and we stretch as far as we can to try to get a hold of both. Uh, sometimes times of suffering help us realize this world is not always fun. And, and I don't want to be here forever. You know, we sing the song, this world is not my home. Um, sometimes we realize that more than others. And it's in times of hurt and suffering and struggle that help us long for the better things. That help us realize, yeah, there's joys here. God has given, the world's not all bad. God is still involved in his world. But this isn't what we were made for. We were made for something better. 1 John 2 tells us don't love the world. Don't love the things in the world. If you love those, you can't love God. You get too carried away with earthly things, it pushes God out. The world is passing away, verse 17, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. God doesn't want me just to fall in love with these temporary things that are gone the second I'm gone, and maybe before. God wants us to, to realize eternally there's bigger things. And so suffering helps us realize this isn't where I want to be forever. Number five, I think we're drawn closer to others. Suffering and times of struggle give us a time to tell each other we care about each other, to wrap our arms around each other, to, to realize there is the love of God living in other people that we probably wouldn't see as clearly if there weren't times of difficulty along the path. As 2 Corinthians 1-4 describes it, and I I put the end of verse 3 here because it's one of our favorite descriptions of God. That God is the God of all comfort. Uh, God cares. And so He comforts us, verse 4 says, and then look at what I've underlined here. We are able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's a little wordy in the New American Standard Translation. But here's what I think he's he's saying. God gives us strength when we go through things. And you know what that does? That gives us a ministry. We end up being able to help other people who are going through things. We have felt the comfort of God. We know how He helps in the struggle and the hurt. We know how His church stands alongside His people. And so now we have an opportunity to do that for other people. And they're drawn closer to the love of God because we're able to, to show ministry through our hurts. If, if you've been, and, and this can get broad or specific, Let, let's do the specific one. If you've been something specific through something specific in your life, if you've been through drug and alcohol problems, for example, you have a unique opportunity as you work through that and, and draw closer to God and get that out of your life. You have a unique opportunity to help others going through that that someone else may not have. Because you've been down that path. You've seen the help of God in getting you through it. You've seen the better way of God in getting out of it. You have a unique ministry now that you can show to help someone else along the path. It can be specific or broad. We're all helping each other. But why, why is there good in suffering? Sometimes it's, it's the drawing us closer together, showing the love of God through that. Number six, what good can come? This one fits some of the other ones we've said. But we develop spiritual qualities. There are some qualities that can only be built in difficult moments. You can talk about bravery all you want, but you can only be brave when you're going through something that's scary and challenging. You can talk about perseverance all you want. You can only build perseverance when you're actually going through something. Otherwise, it's just an abstract concept to your life. Again, what David read a minute ago tells us, things are built in suffering... That's just hard to have without it. It's Just hard to have without those difficult times. They're not fun, but they build things that we need. Verse 2 of, of James chapter 1. Again, consider it all joy. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't say it's, it is all joyful. He says consider it joy. I'm going I'm to consider these difficult things to be joy because I know God's building something in my life. Consider it joy when you encounter various trials. Notice verse 3 knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It it builds things in us. Do you see that in that passage? When our faith is tested through the difficult things, it produces endurance. You can't, can't have endurance without going through something. That's where it's built. And then it helps our faith become more complete there are spiritual qualities that are built. Hebrews 12, 11 says the same thing. It says, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. And I'm, I'm thankful that the Bible's real about that. There are some religions in the world that say, if you feel like you're suffering, it's just all in your head. And you're not thinking right. Well, that's not true. There is real suffering. There, it's not just that you're not Seeing the world correctly. You to go to a different place in your head. Now, some things are really challenging. It doesn't seem joyful. It seems sorrowful. But to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And I guarantee there are people in this room, probably a lot of us, who, who look back at specific times in our life and say, I would not want to go through that again. But having gone through it, I'm able to face other challenges with more strength because God developed some things in those moments that I would not have otherwise. It wasn't fun, but God did things. God worked. I built qualities that I would need down the path, whether I knew it or not. God built some things that you can only build through times of struggle. And then number seven, we often learn in suffering what good things can come from it. We learn that God has bigger plans. That God's plan for my life is not just how much money can I get. I'm thankful His plans are much bigger than that. I'm thankful I can look back at times that I thought I knew the path and God had a better path for me. I imagine you have those as well. And you have those plateau moments along the way that give give you a little bit of the big picture. That you can face the next struggle with trust because you've seen God has done this before. I've seen that even though I thought it was better, He had a bigger goal and a better goal. And if, when I face the next challenge, okay, I think, God, I don't think this is right. Well, God has a bigger goal and a better goal, and He can lead us down that better path. James 5, verse 11 points back to Job. Again, there's so much to say about suffering in the Bible. Um, I recognize two weeks doesn't do it justice. You could say a lot about Job himself. But James 5, 11 says, We count those blessed who endured, who endured the tough times. You've heard of the endurance of Job. And if you know the story of Job in the Bible, he's a faithful person. He loses everything. He's got really difficult questions. And I'm thankful that that God shows us in Scripture it's okay to have difficult questions. But he doesn't leave God. They are faithful questionings is what he's doing. He's standing alongside God as he goes. He says, you've seen the endurance of Job. He stayed with God and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Job is brought to a better place. What's interesting is Job never knows why. God never tells him why. Um, we might, if we could talk to Job, we, would, we could say, Job, God is using your life as an example for millions to come after you. And other people will be more faithful because of your example. And, and God's got future great plans for you. He's not done with you. God, God doesn't tell Job that. Um, but Job goes through it faithfully. And we now can see from Job and ourselves, God has bigger plans. And we learn trust. We learn trust in those times of difficulty. Again, Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. I was reading this last week about... um, It was an occasion I didn't know about. It was five years after 9-11. So uh, September 11th, 2006, they gathered in lower Manhattan in New York. They gathered together a lot of the victims' families, people who had lost someone in the terrorist attacks of 9-11. And they gathered the families together for a, a worship service. And the, the preacher they asked to speak um, shared some of the things he had shared on that first Sunday right after 9-11 had happened. And as he got up, he talked about Christian hope, and he quoted some things from the Bible. But then he quoted, uh, of all things, from the Lord of the Rings. And I don't know if you know or not, but uh, Lord of the Rings, written by J.R.R. Tolkien. Some of you will know much more about it than I will. Uh, But J.R.R. Tolkien was a believer in Jesus Christ and put a lot of Christian themes into those novels. And so as this preacher got up, talking with victims of these families that had lost someone five years before... He's talking about Christian hope, and then he quoted from the Lord of the Rings. And again, some of you will know this much better than me. But near the, in the last book of the, of the series, Sam gangi wakes up, and he discovers he thinks everything's lost, but he discovers it's not. He discovers his friends are right there with him, and he cries out. He says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead. And then he says, is everything sad going to come untrue? And he quoted that he said, the answer to that is yes. The answer in Jesus Christ, is everything sad going to come untrue? He says that's exactly what God is doing in Jesus Christ. There was creation, there was fall, there is redemption as we're being brought back to Jesus. But then there will be restoration where everything sad, everything that has hurt will become untrue. And there will be no tears and there will be no struggle. That's the good... God is trying to build into our lives. He wants us to be there. He doesn't just want us to have whatever we think we want right this second. There are bigger, better things than that. He wants us to be in that moment when everything sad comes untrue and God's people are restored to what we should have always had, a place with God and with each other in that perfect world alongside Him and His people. That's what He wants us to live for. And I hope we get to this place of faith that we can have as this our goal, Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And remember his prayer. He says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. If it's possible, I don't want to go through this pain. Jesus was feeling how difficult the cross was going to be too. But then he prays, yet not as I will, but as you will. I want that to be my prayer. God, there's things I would like to happen, but not what I want, what you want. Because I know what you want is for me to have that heavenly home with you. We often don't understand. And I've got questions about things. I'm sure you have questions about things. I don't think we'll, we'll ever in this life have all the answers to why this happened, and why that happened, and why this was stopped, and why this was... We'll figure all that out in eternity. I do think we have enough evidence to trust God. That we've seen He can build good things in those times. If we will stand alongside Him, we'll see God bring together all that He wanted us to be and have in this life and in the next. If you'd like to talk to us about anything going on in your life privately, feel free to grab us after services. We'd love to talk with you about becoming a Christian. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you about anything going on in your life. We're about to sing a song of invitation. And this song is an opportunity for anyone who would like to come before our church family to let us know about anything. Maybe you're ready today to do what they did in the Bible. When people were pierced to the heart with the gospel, when they knew Jesus was the Son of God and that they were sinners and needed Him, what, they asked, what do we do? The answer in the New Testament, repent and be baptized. Maybe today you're ready to repent and be baptized. Let Jesus wash your sins away. It's a, it's a decision you will never regret. He'll go with you with strength and, and forgiveness and hope all the things you really want in life, come through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're ready for that today, or maybe we can pray for you. Maybe you're going through a time of difficulty, and you'd like the church to lift you up before the throne of God. We'd love to help you any way we can. If you'd like to respond publicly, you can come to the front now while we stand and while we sing. of mercy raining down from high above, in need of strength, in need of peace, in need of things that only you can give to me.